On today's episode of the Trade Busters podcast, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Um, we're not going to be talking about any of my strategies that I trade, or in fact, probably not going to be talking about any strategies at all. And I'm sure you're wondering what the heck is going on with this weird title, right? Building conviction by identifying the bag holder. Like, what's that about? So, this is actually a topic that has been, you know, something I've been really interested in thinking about, and. To start off, I've always said that, you know, for a strategy to work, well, most people know, you know, for a strategy to work, you have to have execution, right? Basically, a strategy is nothing without the execution. And to have execution, you have to have discipline. For me, what I always say is you need to have conviction, right? Because if you don't have conviction and you don't believe in what you're doing, you're not going to be able to follow through, right? And the thing about conviction is, you know, regardless of what you're doing, if you have a strategy, I always try to look at the ins and outs, the pros and cons, the trade-offs, the pitfalls, and it's not just enough to know why something shouldn't work, but why something should work, right? Just making money is not enough. You have to know why it's happening and whether or not you should be, right? So let's look at the idea of selling premium and volatility risk premium. So we believe, or premium sellers believe, that there is edge in selling premium due to the nature of uncertainty, right, in pricing risk and the unknown. So even though uh, there's the belief that the market is efficient and all the information is priced in and things are priced perfectly, right, there is... No one knows the future, right? We don't know what's going to happen if there's no, going to be another black swan or something. So there, that fundamental unknown is going to uh, basically cause volatility to be overpriced, right? That That's the belief anyways. Now, in any given moment, you know, we don't know how much edge there is and how overpriced it is because in hindsight, if we take a certain period of time, if the realized volatility ended up being more than the implied, right, then volatility was underpriced and vice versa. If realized volatility was under implied volatility, then volatility was overpriced. But the idea is that given a long enough time and enough samples and occurrences, volatility is generally overpriced and therefore there is some edge and premium is, you know, options are overpriced and thus selling premium has edge and can generate positive expectancy. So that's the fundamental belief. And, and I do believe that's there. But for me, that wasn't enough, right? I, I wanted to go deeper. And if we think about what options are, okay? Options are basically a instrument to transfer risk. If you buy a put option on the SPX, for example, right? You're maybe trying to, quote unquote, ensure against downside risk, right? Maybe you're protecting your long shares or you just have a, a bearish hypothesis. But if the market goes down, past that strike price, right, it starts to generate a payout. So this risk of the market going down, you're essentially putting that to someone else because they're going to owe you, you know, either by them taking the shares off your hand if it's SPY or they're going to pay you if you have SPX, which is cash settled. So you're transferring the risk to another party that wrote or sold you the option. So but then if you think about it, right, once an option is written, right, there's a certain amount of premium, right? And at the end of the day, and let's say it's in the money and let's use SPX, it's cash settled. 
you know, somebody wins and somebody loses, right? Or for example, you write an option, you know, for X dollars and it expires, right? The option seller keeps the premium and the whoever paid for it, you know, they lost. Now, I'm not getting to the fact that they may have, you know, bought the option for whatever reason they wanted to protect the risk and they're willing to lose it. I'm just saying, literally speaking, in terms of PL, what I gained as the option writer is what the option buyer loses. So what I'm essentially getting at is options are zero sum, right? So there's always a you know what I call the bag holder, right? There's a winner and a loser. The loser is the bag holder. So if I really believe I can have these income strategies that generate positive expectancy long term and I'm constantly quote unquote winning, you know, why why should that be the case? Why should I always be the winner? Right? And who's the bag holder? Why is there always someone willing to and you know you can make all kinds of arguments. Maybe someone is wrong on their assumption and uh or they just don't know what they're doing or whatever and people have their reasons for buying and selling options but at the end of the day it th- th- comes back to the same question who is the proverbial bag holder and why should i be able to make money and extract this premium from the market day in and day out so to answer that question um i basically came up with this mental model now this just a disclaimer that this could be completely wrong the way I'm thinking about it, but it's just my way of reconciling, you know, what I see in reality with that question I have of why does that happen? Right? So let's use an example. Okay. If I sell a put option, right? I sell a put option on SPX that is by definition long Delta. If um, market goes up, I make money, right? And most likely, the way the markets work now, if I sell a put option, it is not selling directly to a human counterparty. Indirectly, maybe, but it's most likely a market maker that bought that option from me, okay? So market makers, they aren't in the business to take directional risk. So they're going to buy the option from me and they're going to hedge it, right? Because if I'm long delta, when I sell the put, whoever, well, the market maker that, that bought the put is basically short delta. They just want to make money off the bid-ass spread, right? So they, um, you know, with, with slippage, I'm selling it for probably less than theoretically what that risk is worth. And they're going to be buying it at a little bit less than what it's worth. So they'll make money on, on that spread. But they need to hedge off the risk. Now, I'm not going to get into um, how exactly market making works and the hedging. So um, I'll leave this in the show notes, but there's an episode of Odd Lots um, with the CEO of Virtu. So he was on there explaining about payment for order flow, electronic market making. Um, I'll leave it, um, the episode link in the show notes so you can read about that. But just know that in order to hedge their exposure, so I'm long delta, market maker who bought the put is short delta. He needs to hedge, so he needs long delta to basically mitigate his directional risk. Um, so he can do a couple of things, right? The market maker can buy shares directly of, for example, SPY, right? That's going to negate his short delta. Or he can buy futures, right? And if he buys futures, uh, that's going to cause the price of the futures to go up a bit. And in order for 
um, when the futures price because futures have to basically converge on the spot price of SPX um, at expiration. So if the futures price goes up above spot, um, there's going to be some kind of arbitrage, kind of algo or some kind of bot that's going to come in and they're going to short the futures and they're going to buy spot, right? They want to force that convergence. So, and again, the bottom line is some shares are bought somewhere. Okay, so what I'm trying to get at is there's this indirect, well, maybe direct or indirect, but this chain of events, right? I sold a put, there's a delta is created, the market maker has this delta, they're trying to hedge it, and at the end of the day, some shares are bought somewhere, right? Now, here's the thing. If, um, if nothing happens, if the market doesn't move, now it's going to, right? If, if the market does not move, that option is going to decay and I will have pocketed profit. And the market maker in this case was the one that lost, right? Because they, they bought that option and it expired, okay? So in this case, the market maker was the loser. But that's generally not going to be the case because obviously the market moves. So here's what's going to happen. We've just said that I sold the put, I'm long delta, market maker neutralized, so he has no delta somewhere a share was bought all right now i basically have a proxy exposure to the market and to clarify if i didn't say this let's just assume i sold spx or spy options and then the shares that I bought were spy okay so as the market goes up right if it does my short put is profiting right just like if i bought shares of spy and the market goes up i'm profiting now, in this case, because Delta is dynamic, right, as the market goes up, um, I'm profiting, but I'm starting to lose some of that long Delta, right? And as I lose some of that long Delta, the market maker is losing some of their short Delta. So then now they have to sell some shares and they're kind of unwinding the shares, right? So you can see what's happening. As the market goes up, I'm profiting and the market maker is simply readjusting their Delta exposure. So as the market goes up, market maker is starting to sell shares. So there's a couple of things you can think about. When I sold the put and that translated to somewhere in the world, shares being bought, somebody sold those shares, right? So in reality, they're the ones missing out, right? Because if they if the market goes up, they sold at a low. So they're missing the profits of the market going up. And as the market goes up, I'm gaining, right? So I have this proxy exposure to the market via the long delta and the shares. As the market goes up, market maker starts unloading and delta hedging again. So they're selling shares and they're selling as it goes up. So basically they're selling at a higher and higher point. That means someone has to buy shares, right? So someone is now buying at a higher and higher point. And remember, in the stock market, when you want to make money, you want to buy low, sell high, right? That's what the market maker is doing. But somebody out there is now buying shares as it goes up. So they're basically left holding the bag because as the market goes up and I lose my long delta or the option expires, right? I'm flattened out. I profited my whatever dollars or the credit was. The market maker is completely neutralized now because they probably matched up the delta again. So whoever sold the shares to the market maker originally, they lost out on that profit of the shares going up. And then when the market goes up, whoever bought those shares from the market makers to reverse everything, they're now the ones left with the spy, uh, with the spy shares, right? Now, they haven't lost anything per se yet, but everything has kind of gone full circle, 
right? And so what I'm getting at is like, you know, even though, as we said earlier, in my mind, the options market is kind of this zero sum, you know, you win, I lose. But it's almost like the options market is a tangential universe to the equities market. Now, the funny thing is options were meant to be a derivative, right? <laughs> it's the, the movement of the market that's supposed to you know, impact the price of the options. But this is kind of backwards. And part of this is because of the advent of market making and, and, and hedging and everything. So in this case, I'm saying that something, an event that happens in the options market causes something to happen in the equities market. So it's almost like this, this invisible hand that they're separate universes, but they're intertwined and they affect each other. So, so that's basically, you know, that how I'm able to reconcile, like who is the back holder? It's, it's the whole market. It's all the participants in the stock market. In this case, I'm using a short put example, but the, the, the reverse is true. And all of it's kind of, you can flip it over. Like if I sold a short call, if I sold a short call, I'm short Delta, market makers long Delta. So they're selling shares. And so Know, as the market goes down and so everything we just went over you can kind of flip it backwards and the idea is that like let's say i sold a strength let's say i sold both sides right the market maker has both the put in the you know the the put and the call as the market moves back and forth the market maker is just dynamically hedging their delta so they're not losing on the directional exposure but you know as the market goes down my short call is winning whoever basically bought the stock is losing money because it goes down and then as the market goes up my short puts winning and whoever sold the stock is losing because they're missing on the gain so this basically the ebb and flow of the market movement is almost like the profit i'm getting from the theta and from the delta changing is kind of just distributed in little packets throughout it's kind of dissipating into the equity market and it's all of these m composite of the participants who whoever bought high and now is losing as the market goes down or whoever sold, you know, at a low <laughs> and is losing as the market goes up. Those are the bag holders. And again, this is, you know, the, you may have just sat through 15 minutes of me rambling and it, it may be all confusing, but again this is kind of the the mental model and just how i think about how the options market works in tandem with the equities market and why if in fact there is edge to selling premium like who is the one that i'm earning from right because when option is generated if if i write an option or the market maker writes an option it's it's almost like this money is just kind of created out of thin air, right? And somebody has to fund that. And this entire mental model and this chain reaction of events, that is how I envision where those dollars and that premium is ultimately coming from, right? It's almost like we're, it's, it's where this money is being kind of funneled into the whole options sort of ecosystem and premium sellers are kind of just trying to harvest some of that throughout the movement of the market as it moves back and forth. So anyways, um, hope that kind of makes sense. You know, feel free to, to message me or let me know what you think. Um, 
for me anyways like being able to think through that and just kind of know there is a reason not not a reason but like there is somebody out there and i'm not just kind of making money out of thin air there is a a push and pull and ebb and flow of reaction action reaction and that is the system that kind of drives um the premium that premium sellers and option sellers hope to capture okay so anyways let's leave it for today um as always if you enjoyed this podcast uh please take a moment to rate review and subscribe it's available on all the major platforms including apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and spotify you can also follow me on twitter at the trade buster and find all of my content for my trading pages at www.thetradebusters.com all my strategy mechanics, various trade logs, essays I've written, and other podcasts I recommend. So that's it for today. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.